are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. Love is simple, and we understand that it comes from God. But our ability to love is God's nature, for the Bible makes it clear to us that God is love. Yet we realize and acknowledge that while love is a simple thing, it is a God thing, it is not always easy for us to do. Thankfully, the Bible gives us much instruction in how we are to show love to one another. And in addition to these instructions, Jesus gives us clear standards by which to live by. We are to love as he has loved us. We are to forgive others as he has forgiven us. And we are to receive, or last week we we talked about how that means we are to accept one another just as Christ has accepted us. And there are many voices that would try to influence us, would try to direct us on what has to be done to change this fallen world that we're living in. But we understand as believers that for all of our efforts, and we should make effort, it is only through God's perfect love for us that we in turn can show love to other people. And in the last two weeks, we have dug into the word of the Lord to better understand how we are called to love one another. And last week, we looked at five principles in scripture to help us define what it means to love each other. Those principles were serve, forgive, comfort, consider, and receive. And through his teaching and example, Jesus made it clear that we will never be more like him than when we are showing love to each other. It is the only way Jesus said people would identify us with him. And as dark as these times are, it is an amazing time to be a part of the church. We have what this world is looking for. We have answers that Washington and Facebook cannot come up with. We have Jesus, we have the word of God, and we have each other. You see, diversity is in the DNA of the apostolic church. Beginning with the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, we see people from every nation under heaven in Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit is poured out for the very first time. In Acts 8, we see Philip sent to a man from Ethiopia who is hungry for the things of God. The Bible specifically tells us that Philip was called away from an amazing revival in Samaria to go preach the gospel to one person, to a eunuch, to a man from Ethiopia who was reading the word of God and was unable to understand its meaning. In Acts 9, we see the very enemy of the church, Saul, receive the spirit and turn his life around for the sake 
of the gospel. In Acts 10, we read that the Spirit sent Peter to a good Gentile man so that he and his entire household would be baptized and filled with the Spirit. And in Acts 16, we see Paul baptize a woman named Lydia along with her household. And so it's very notable for us that halfway into the history book of the church, the book of Acts, Dr. Luke makes certain that we understand that this gospel, that God's spirit is for everyone. Just like Jesus did, we see the disciples crossing social barriers of their time to bring people into fellowship to God's church and his spirit. And so tonight, we're going to do something a little bit different, something that is historic here at the Calvary Church. I have asked these great people who are sitting behind me to help us have an honest discussion on racism as a church family. All of them, most of you, I believe, know because they faithfully attend and serve TCC on a regular basis. People like Todd Brown, Alicia Braddock, Noah Justie, and Brittany Harriel make this church a great place to belong. And I thank God that Calvary has always been a place of diversity. And it is Pastor Tom and I's desire that we continue to grow in our diversity as a congregation. And I think if we're honest, the racial tension that we are living with right now has caused all of us to reflect personally on how we got here as a nation and what needs to change. And so last week, we read part of Romans chapter 12 together. It challenges us so beautifully, so specifically in our treatment of one another. And verse 15 of Romans 12 tells us, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Again, the Bible calls us to a high standard to say that whatever impacts some of you affects all of you. Because we love each other, we realize that what is going on affects people in our church family. It has impacted their families. And because of that, we weep with them. And because I respect these individuals so much, Tom and I have asked them to help us talk about these things in a way we have prayed would edify this church. And it is our hope that this forum helps our families be more intentional to honor God in their example in the workplace and in discussions that happen in your home. I believe that their perspective will help make Calvary a better place to belong. And so I thank them for their willingness to serve in this way, for it is no small thing what they are doing right now. And so I have given them a list of questions to help them prepare for this. And these questions were written to help them help us. These great people are a part of us, and I believe the Lord is going to use them tonight. 
And so I've already explained to them as I take my seat that my hope is they will all respond in some way to these questions. And so we're just going to start off by asking the first question. And whoever feels brave and wants to tread upon the water, get out of the boat first. Please go ahead. But what has your experience with racism been like? That can be within the context of the church, maybe in a work environment, any scenario where you have dealt with it personally. I can go ahead and start. Um, I can only speak on myself, of course. Um, And personally, I have never experienced racism uh, here at the church or even really outside of the church. Um, But... Um, I've never, I've, I've also, I've never felt discriminated on or oppressed, but what I think we come into contact with mainly when it comes to racism are stereotypes that are not necessarily true. For example, in school, um, people would expect me to act or talk a certain way just because of the color of my skin. And often when they would hear me talk or when they would interact with me, um, that would lead them to ask me, or it would lead them to be shocked. Um, and that, to me, uh, never really hurt my feelings, never made me feel oppressed, but it's just something that I've picked, on, picked up on over the years that just because of the way I speak, it might seem different or it might seem odd to people, and that's because of the color of my skin. So that's the only thing that I've experienced. And I've also, that's only really happened outside of school. I felt for the most part that at church that people have not even questioned why I talk or act a certain way. They just sort of accept me because of who I am and not really uh, a predisposed um, just because of the color of my skin. Okay, thank you for that. Anybody else? Okay. I was just going to kind of piggyback off of that. Um, So I'm coming from a biracial point of view, um, half white, half black. So I think it's kind of the same thing for me. I never received the blatant racism, if you want to call it that. However, a lot of it was you're not white enough or you don't act black enough and putting those kind of criteria as to what makes you each side. And I just kind of grew up, you know, being me. I didn't know that there was a way to do it. Um, So I heard a lot of, you know, you don't talk black, you don't look black, you have um, good hair or whatever it is. And so it was kind of like in the reverse of that, well, what do you mean I don't talk black? Like, is that implying that black people don't talk, you know, a certain type of way? Or so I kind of always read into it like that, and I didn't really know how to take it. Um, Same thing um, on the white side as well. Like, oh, you're but you're not like them, or, you know, you're different, and um, people feeling like they could get a pass to talk a certain way around me, um, because, you know, oh, you won't mind, or I can say this in front of you, kind of thing, so, in that way, I feel like it was just people not wanting to just accept me for who I am, I kind of never fit the criteria either way, and like I said, maybe it's not the type of racism that people would assume, but it's still kind of putting labels and um, kind of like criteria on me. In my experience with racism, one thing that I keep in mind is that it's not 
as blatant or as obvious as it was, say, in my parents' generation or my grandparents. I hear the stories of what they went through. When I see racism, it's um, a little more covert. Um, I've seen it in business practices. I've seen it um, in employment. And it's not something that you throw out easily. When you see it, my thought is, my first thought is, did I do something wrong? And I'm the type of person I'll sit back and I'll analyze it, cross off the boxes. And by the time I get to racism, I've looked at everything. And so I don't come to that conclusion lightly. And it doesn't stop me. It doesn't disturb me. But it, I think when it affects me most is when I have instances when it affects my wife or when it affects my daughter. That's when it affects me. For me, it's just like, okay, I'll keep going. But um, when it affects your family members, that's when you're like, okay, well, how can we work with this? Or how do I tell her this is something that you're going to have to learn to deal with? And so that's been my experience with it. So listening to each of you speak on racism, for me, it's been um, a little different. Um, I'm an individual that get along with everyone, and I purposely do that. Um, I'm, I never meet a stranger. Um, you're going to love me whether you want to or not. That's just <laughs> me. I could care less if who you are or where you're from, your pedigree, you're going to love me. Um, sometimes that works out fine. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, have my feelings been hurt in that process of living? Have I faced some things that I thought was just cold-hearted and hurtful? Of course. But did I allow it to stop who I was? No. Um, listening to both Noah and um, Brittany, I noticed that they were saying that, you know, they kind of were just who they were and, you know, in the church and the way they were raised and kind of protected, to say the least. And my children were the same way. My daughter told me, Mom, you protected us to the point that once we got out there and we faced some of these things, we were like, what? You know, um, but for me, yes, I saw it. Um, you know, the belief that someone else thinks that they're superior to who I am, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, we all came into this world the same way. We all have blood that runs through our body. Um, how do you think that you're better than I am when I can do the same things that you can do and maybe even better? But it's the perception. It is the way that you view things. It is the way that you do things. And for me, when I see someone take that authority over a person or me in particular and feel as if they can dominate, you know, who I am based on who they think they are. You know, you know, I have learned to account that as ignorance. And so for me, it's like, okay, for years I would say, oh, they're just ignorant. They need prayer. Lord, help them. And I would keep it moving. And, you know, but the, the way society is now, and like Pastor said, we're living in dark times, and just the things that are happening, and, and it happens time after time after time. Um, the people of color, we're tired. You know, we're tired of the ridicule. We're tired of the stereotyping. We're tired of being placed in this lumps 
uh, of individuals. Oh, well, they're all this way or they're all that way. No, we are all individually made, wonderfully made and unique in God's hands. You know, God made each of us different. We all have different sets of fingerprints, meaning that what I put into this earth, you cannot do because God made me unique and gave me that plan or that life to do it. And so I have to look at people when I see racism and say, okay, you're no longer ignorant. That's not a word I'm going to use anymore for you. What I'm going to say for you is you need Jesus. You need to understand that only God can keep you from thinking the way you think. Because for me, racism is a learned behavior. It's something that has been taught from generation to generation to generation. And it's time now that the curse has to end. It has to. Because we are all one in Christ. Same body, many members. There is no respect to person. And until we learn that as a society, as a world, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. So racism, to me, is a sin, just like any other sin given in the word of God. Amen. Amen. Powerful answers. Uh, Next question is, what would you say to those who have not experienced racism? They're unfamiliar with it. Just keep living. Just keep living. Um, Because, again, it's here. It's here. And the scary part about it is it's dormant in a lot of us. A lot of us have not even realized that it's in us. But we all were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. It's in us. And the problem is when it manifests, if we do not know Christ, Woe unto the one that is going forth to. Because you have to have God in you in order to subdue or to stop that thing. You have to. And having a conversation with someone who's never experienced racism, um, first thing, and I've had these conversations, and the first thing is to make sure they have a good definition of what racism is. Everyone has bias. Um, a bias won't bother me. But when the bias affects where I get my education, where I'm employed, where I worship, then that's when that bias goes to racism. And in having these conversations, one of the biggest hurdles is just convincing a person that racism is an issue. And in doing that, it helps if you have a relationship with that person. It's not the topic that you would use for icebreaker. It's... it's, um, But if you have a relationship with that person and that person knows you and that person trusts you, then you can open the door to discuss that a little bit more and tell them, hey, this is what I've experienced and this is what I know to be true. And what you'll find is one that you guys have had different experiences. And so to that person that's never experienced, I would say, well, just listen. You don't have to solve it. Um, You don't have to do that. Just listen. Because sometimes it's just a matter of gathering knowledge. And uh, I would agree with that. Um, It comes down to, you know, everybody has a different definition of, you know, racism or really anything these days. Um, So what one person says might come off as racist to you, but they might not even intently uh, have said it that way or realize that what they said was offensive. Um, So I think it comes down to communication. If somebody says something that's offensive to you, I don't think that you should instantly say that it's racist. 
Um, I don't think that you should take that off the board completely either, but I, I think that you should communicate to that person because you having that feeling and just walking away without solving that, it's not going to help anything. It's only going to make matters worse. Instead of having a confrontation with the person and, um, you know, finding common ground and maybe something that maybe it was something that you said, maybe it was something that they said or did. Um, but you could find out that whatever happened, it probably didn't come out of a place of hate or discrimination. It probably just came out of a place of miscommunication, which I feel like is what happens more. It's the miscommunication between people. I agree with that. Um, Honestly, yeah, I think it's a lot of miscommunication and having that conversation um, of not understanding. I know I hear a lot of, you know, that was 100 years ago. You know, why we've moved past that. We've, you know, progress has been made, which I do believe it has. However, you, you know, you can't tell me that something that big, you know, there's no ramifications and nothing has continued on. Um, And, you know, to that, I just think of, you know, I know, I think I was looking at, like, the first um, black little girl who came and integrated into school. She's only 65 years old, you know, so it's not, like, forever ago that this happened. So I think acknowledging the fact that it's real, it is present, even though if you don't know, like you said, the exact definition of it, educate yourself, learn, you know, what it is, have that open communication, um, and to people who, you know, don't experience it as much or don't understand, just realizing that it does affect people. And as a church body, you know, if one of us suffers, you know, in the body, then we all suffer, like you were saying. Um, And not taking that as like, well, I don't have to deal with it. So, you know, good luck. (laughs) Um, And really just taking ownership and realizing and examining yourself and seeing, you know, where are there parts in my life or in the way I view things that I can adjust that and really... um, like you said, asking God to kind of intervene on because we're not going to be able to do it on our own. And I think the more that we do understand, and I appreciate this forum for the sake of helping us learn, uh, helping just our congregation understand it does exist, uh, and, and, and to be equipped to um, be a part of a solution. So you mentioned in the workplace, I, I hear that often, um, where it's it could be subtle, y- you know it, you feel it, and and to to be a part of a solution. If you, if you're say a, a white person in a in an environment where you understand it, you've had relationships with those who have experienced it. It puts you, in, I think, in a position of of being a help. You know to to that in that workplace, uh, being able to stand up with somebody who's facing it, uh, because it it's it's sometimes, and I think it's more subtle than it is. Uh, nobody's just going to blatantly say, "Yeah, I'm a racist." There are people that do that, but for the most part, it, it's a subtle kind of thing that I think happens. And and so I appreciate what you're you're saying. Can I add one more thing? Oh, sorry. Well, I was just going to say, Pastor, and based on what you just said, um, a lot of it goes unspoken. Um, And like you said, um, in the workplace or even in church, when you see a situation and you see someone or 
what's going on right now? Let's just talk about it. What's going on right now in society? Um, for me not to hear from anyone in the church concerns me because it makes me feel like, hello, you know, this was right. This, this hit me hard. You know, nobody cares. Does anybody care? Um, so again, you, you don't talk about it, you know, bluntly, but you need to talk about it. Um, did I expect some of my friends, the ones that I think that are close to me to call me and maybe reach out and just say, Hey, how you doing? You okay? You know, we're watching the news. We see what's going on. How are you feeling? Did I expect that? To be honest, yeah, I did. I expected it. Did it bother me that I didn't get that? A little bit. Am I okay? Have I moved on? Yes. Because I understand that sometimes people don't know what to say. I mean, in situations like this, they want to say something. But again, if you don't know what to say or how to say it, then you just keep your you keep quiet, and so sometimes being quiet is not the best thing to do either. You know? Thank you for saying that. I mm-hmm. was just going to add that when you're talking to someone who's never experienced racism, one thing to keep in mind is that you're the messenger, and how you live your life is going to say more than the words that you're actually saying. Because someone can talk about racism, and if the messenger isn't the right person then that's totally going to bypass that person that's receiving it. But if you're living your life right, then you carry a little bit more weight. You carry a little bit more credibility when you're doing that. So it puts a little extra burden on you. That's very good. All right. Uh, Moving on to the next question. How has your walk with God helped you deal with your experiences with racism or even the way you are processing what is going on in the world? Um, there's one verse that I do want to share that, um, whenever I think of topics like this, um, sort of helps me out and puts, it puts a lot into perspective and that Psalm is 118 verse eight. Uh, it says it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Mm. And I share this verse, um, because there is always going to come a day when, a friend, a family member, or even a stranger is going to hurt you. Um, I mean, maybe not physically, hopefully not. Um, but, you know, with their words or with their actions or even through the news and through the media, something that they might say or do is going to hurt your feelings. It's unavoidable. But what has helped me is that we don't put our confidence in the things that people in this world do. We put our confidence and our faith in God and Nothing that anybody does in this world is going to take me away from my walk with God. Um, if the things that people are doing in this world is taking you steps back from your walk with God, that's something that you need to evaluate between you and God because we're supposed to be a separated people and we're not supposed to you know, look for appreciation or even love from this world. Um, and sorry, there was one thing that I wrote that I wanted to didn't want to miss. Um, And it's just that as Christians, we should be equipped to deal with oppression. Um, It doesn't have to be racial, but oppression in any way. I feel like as Christians that we should be equipped with that. And we should ask ourselves, if I experience racism, will I let that affect my spiritual walk with God? Um, So that's sort of what's helped me on the spiritual part of it. 
Um, I was going to piggyback off of that. Funny enough, I went to Psalms as well, 139, with just just, um, saying, you know, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And I think even without racism, if I listen to what everybody else is saying about me, or to be quite honest, what I say about me, um, it's, you know, it can go a total different direction. Um, But learning that I am who God says that I am. And like you said, walking in that, trusting in that, um, it kind of helps with, you know, when people say things, whether it's racial, whatever it is, in dealing um, with those. And like you said, with what you hear in the media and everything, um, I know having conversations with family members and friends, you can kind of go down that road of like anger and frustration and why is, you know, nobody saying anything or because it is, I think you said just we're tired um, and you can kind of really harp on that instead of focusing on, you know, your walk with God and who he says you are and who you're called to be and not dwelling on what people or the media says because that's not where you should find your identity. Um, and that has really, really helped me. I think for me, I'm going to come out of the book of Joshua. And one of the things with my walk with uh, God in this whole situation of my life living thus far is that I realize, and I liken it to the, to the children of Israel and those that are, were in the wilderness and they came out, is that some of us were conceived in Zion. Some of us was born in Zion. Some of us was conceived in Zion, and we were born in Babylon. Some of us were conceived in Babylon and born in Babylon, meaning that in the church, as well as this world, there are all types of people. You know, there are all types of people from different cultures, different types of living, different religions, etc. But we need to learn how to live with all of them. We need to learn how to understand and, and, and get a knowledge of who they are and what they are. One thing I learned from my father, my late father, is that He was a man of God. He was a reverend, but he also studied religions. And I would ask him often, I said, Dad, why are you looking at, you know, that religion or this religion? We're apostolic. We're this. Why are you in that? And he told me, he looked me in my face and he said, how am I going to tell them I've got the truth if I don't know what they believe? And so he was strong enough in what he believed that he would study So that when he came across that individual, that one that was born in Babylon or that one that was born out of Zion, he could tell them the truth Mm -hmm. and where it is in their belief. Mm -hmm. It may have been twisted or turned or changed. And so I I gave him the highest respect for that because not everybody can do that. Everybody's not grounded and rooted in what they believe. And so I think that's what keeps me you know, being able to stand and being able to look at someone and pray for them, you know, instead of despise them and, and dislike them, you know, I'll pray for them and, and, and keep it moving. Because at the end of the day, like Noah said, I have to work out my soul salvation. I got to get to heaven. And I'm hoping you can come with me. But, yeah, so. Just real quick, you bring up a great point because I think really uh, racism is is a form of fear it's a fear uh based insecurity mm-hmm. about who you are and uh when you don't know people 
and you don't understand people, you become, you, you end up afraid of them. You're afraid of what you don't know. So you talk about relationships or you talk about your father understanding other religions and other views and other mm-hmm. points of view. Mm-hmm. It tears down a lot of fear. Exactly. And you can get to the heart of the matter. And, and so to me, that's a, a beautiful example because I, I think that that's where some people struggle with, with racism because they, they, don't, they don't know. They just assume they know a culture. They know a stereotype, which you guys have pointed out. And so uh, I, I think that's a, a great point that you bring up about it. And I was just going to piggyback on Noah and Brittany where what the word of God says about me is more important than what anyone else says about me. And so I concentrate on that. And my relationship with God to me is not only the perfect coping mechanism, because the Bible is really clear on how we should treat those who persecute us, but it's also clear on how we should treat each other and how we should love each other. And I think that's what I emphasize and hope other people emphasize. And I kind of think of Dr. Martin Luther King. His quote is, I decided to stick with love for hate is too great a burden to bear. So, All right. Um, our last question is, what advice would you give Calvary members in discussing these issues at home or on the job? Uh, I don't think that this is a topic that people should be afraid of talking about. Just what brother, like what Brother Ellis mentioned, uh, you know, it's because of not understanding or not knowing something that you have fear, and fear is where racism comes from. And I agree completely with that. Um, so, not talking about these topics is just going to keep people in the dark about it. It's going to keep people not understanding um, why racism is around or what racism truly is and how to avoid it. Um, So I do feel like it's something that you should talk about. And uh, Alicia mentioned that it did hurt her. She moved past it um, when nobody talked to her, gave her a call about what was going on recently in the news. Um, And I, I do think that does come from a place of fear and people not knowing what to say and even, uh, I see it in social media of people um, saying that, like, if you're white, you shouldn't talk about it, or like a, like a white guilt. And so I try to understand that perspective of, you know, people feel very intimidated to even talk about the topic. And I feel like we just need to break through that barrier because, you know, when you break through that, that's when you're truly going to, you know, mend relationships and build the bridges that we need to build. Um, (laughs) No, I was just going to say having those uncomfortable conversations are really what needs to be done. Um, I don't know if on both sides, maybe people are a little uncomfortable with kind of explaining it and talking about it. Um, But I feel like you have to be open enough and vulnerable enough to say, you know, hey, I don't think I'm racist, but, you know, let me talk to you about it. What's your definition of it? You know, would you view this as racist or not? And just those uncomfortable questions. And um, as someone who's experienced racism, you know, not being offended, not, you know, taking it personal, just, you know, they may just not know. 
um, and having those kind of conversations. And I would just say, of course, first and foremost, just praying about it. Like you said, how important your walk with God is. And when you have those conversations, taking the time to really just invite God into it and not take it from um, like it's an attack or, you know, anything like that, but really just trying to like, I was told, listen to understand and not to respond, um, which is a struggle for me, maybe for most. Um, But yeah, and doing more than just saying, I know a lot of people view it as like, well, I'm not racist, you know, like, so I'm good, you know, like worry about everybody else. But you could still be part of a solution. You could still educate yourself. Um, Like we talked about before, being silent or not saying something is still you know, or just letting it slide because it's uncomfortable is not being part of a solution. Um, so, yeah, being open and honest and vulnerable and not letting those fears kind of take over is a good starting point. I would recommend to someone who wants to discuss this to first gather information. Um, if you're going to discuss something, you want to be as knowledgeable about it as you can. And be careful of your sources. There's a lot of people saying a lot of different things about racism. I would recommend talk to someone personally, someone that has experienced, and ask that person, well, what was your experience? Hopefully this person is someone that you know, that you trust, that you love, and you take that information that you receive from that person and weigh it against the word of God. What does the word of God say about what this person experienced and what this person felt? And then pray on it. And then once you've received it and you've prayed on it, then you're ready to discuss it and speak the truth in love. (laughs) So my Calvary family, (laughs) because I've been here a long time, um, I knew we are happy people. Um, The late bishop. And what I would say to each of you, and those that are watching, is that you've come a long way, but you still got a long way to go. And I say that in this regard. Charity begins at home. Mm-hmm. So before you can talk to an employee or even deeply talk to a family member, you got to talk to your church, to those that are attached to that body with you. You have to understand them. You have to learn them. You have to know them. You have to be able to sit and reason with them. What I've felt in the time that I've been here has been mixed emotions. Am I okay? Yes, ma'am. In in this regard, you smile in my face, but then on social media, I see a post that is a dagger in my back. When I look at the social media photos of Calvary every Sunday, I don't see many people of color. I don't. And I know for a fact Calvary has a broad, variety of cultures in it when do I see them international Sunday promotional Sundays 
when we're having trunk or treat, you know. And this needs to be every Sunday. I have friends and I have family that say, I thought you went to Calvary. And I say, I do go to Calvary. Oh, okay. Well, I don't ever see you on any of the things. And I say, well, I'm there, you know, and that's all that matters. I know I'm there. But what I'm saying is we've got to be more transparent if we want to truly be diverse. If we want diversity to be abroad, Mm -hmm. let it be abroad. Your grandparents, your dad, you know, I love them because they would just let you know who they were. They were truly happy people. And their ministry and the way they talked to people and the way they interacted with people, they are the reason I came to Calvary because they were patients. And when I met them, it was like, wow, that's genuine. And, it, and, and it's, it wasn't a surface thing. It was genuine. And did I hear things about, you know, the white church? Yes, I did. Growing up in an all-black church most of my life, I heard things. Well, why would you want to go to that church? Why? But when I came here, it was the love. You know, it was that growth. It was that warm feeling that I felt. That's what made me stay here. And so I'm saying to my Calvary family, let's be true to ourselves and to each other. Look at that person in the mirror and dig deep down, pray about it and say, Lord, if there's anything in me that shouldn't be, I need you to take it out because I want to be right. I want to be saved. I want to be whole. And I think once we get that within us, deep down within us, then we will go to work and be able to talk to those individuals We will be able to tell our children and our grandchildren and those that are coming up, the future church, exactly what it's going to take in order to stand in these last and evil days, like Pastor talked about Sunday, because we're in them. And soon, we're going to be gone. But there's a whole other generation that has to hold up the bloodstained banner. And the question is, how are they going to hold it up? Are they going to hold it up out of fear, or is it going to be love for one another? Because God is love. So charity begins at home. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you uh, for your uh, authenticity there and, and for challenging Calvary. Uh, I think uh, I, I know I personally have room to grow. I have personally have room to learn. And I know uh, this church uh, has a heart for this community which is diverse. We are a church in, in the middle of the most, according to the stats, the most diverse community in the state of Ohio. And uh, it's, it's, our, it's a burden, but it takes effort. It doesn't, it doesn't come just because we want it or say it. You have to work. You have to be intentional, and I appreciate you being willing to say that uh, to us. And, and for all your remarks, uh, I thank God for uh, this church and uh, what we feel called to do and where we feel called to go. And, and uh, your uh, being here tonight and, and just being willing to share, I know, is not easy, but I, I really appreciate it. And uh, we're going to pray. Uh, kind of as a, a closeout, and you know, we're going to pray that God would work in us mm-hmm. individually, like you mm-hmm. said, 
Uh, and the scripture that comes to me is perfect love casts out fear. Yes. And it's the perfection of God's love. And that's what's beautiful about what she started with was that Jesus Christ, um, you see the church immediately, and they struggled with prejudice in the early church. They, they wrestled with it because there's so much we, we bring uh, our traditions and our culture so close to the cross and our Christian experience that I think it, it takes uh, the power of the Spirit working over and over and over, giving us grace, giving us patience, and, and having the honest conversations like Paul confronting Peter and going, you know, you preach that message, but you're not quite living that message. You're not, you're, you know, you're eating with just the Jews, you know, and, he, and it was that confrontation. It was that, hey, you can do better. And I think that's what uh, I appreciate about this conversation tonight uh, and uh, where, where I think we're going. So let's just pray together, and I want you to pray. You don't have to pray in your mic, but I want us to pray together that God would help us. Lord, we thank you, God, for tonight. I thank you for Brittany and Todd and Alicia and Noah, Lord. I thank you for just their love for you that is evident in their service to the Calvary Church and their commitment to the body of Christ here locally at the Calvary Church. I thank you for their courage tonight and their willingness to uh, just speak to us and, and talk about their experience, Lord. I know, God, that, that they have a diverse experience, and I pray, God, that you would just bless them for their time. I pray for our church, God, for us individually. I pray you'd give us the courage to, God, confront what's in our minds, our own biases, our own prejudices, and God, even help us uh, to, to, God, work in our families to, to tear down, God, things uh, in our lives and, and mindsets and perceptions, Lord, that don't do you service and don't bring you glory. Lord, I pray that ultimately that it would impact how we live in our workplace, how we interact in our school, that Ultimately, we would allow your perfect love to do a work in us that it, it really moves beyond, God, just our hearts and our homes, but it would move into our everyday life. Thank you, God, for uh, just your presence we feel in this moment. Thank you for your word that is so clear to us on how to live our lives. I pray you would continue to bless Calvary, continue to use us in a great way, Lord, and we, we thank you for what you're doing, and we thank you for the future that is represented among us tonight, and we give you praise and glory for all good things. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to just conclude our time in Growth University uh, reading a portion of Scripture I feel so strongly to do this specifically in these, uh, this series to direct us clearly to the word of the Lord and what it has to say to us. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, 
they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Turn his face towards you and give you peace. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.